by the All-Father's beard. Have you tried this meat? Slides from the bone. Like a drunken strumpet into my bed, huh? Ha! Yon potatoes are made finer than the ale served here. Oh, the ale, like the gods themselves have pissed in a mug, and the nymphs and fairies thrice blessed it. What would you like? I have every intention of fulfilling you. Well, not you, young man, but that tart you have on your arm? Yes, let me show you something. I have a tattoo from an oriental I met in my travels. Many have said it is small and indistinguishable, but I'll tell you it says Odin's great staff. What do you say? Some ale and some tender meat for you and for me, eh? Ha! A girl in a red shirt and pressed black slacks, her awkward suspenders covered up and down with clever slogan-clad buttons, came to the table and flanked filibuster vigilance. I'm afraid I'm going to have to ask you to leave TGI Fridays, she said in a soft whisper. I do not believe they heard you right, vile wench, bellowed filibuster. His eyes burned with a spurned anger, and the patrons he previously had attended to shrank in fear. I was talking to you, the woman said, more forcibly than filibuster vigilance would have liked warranted. Damn women! Damn shift supervisors! Filibuster lamented as he stormed out of the restaurant. I've come for your women's tenderly bits, bellowed filibuster vigilance. Your stout tastes like you've shat in the keg, and your wenches are unpleasant to both eyes and nostrils. God rape your arse! This place is horrible! Filibuster vigilance jumped up, and his large hairy-knuckled hand shot to the hilt of his broad sword. A long, straggly strand of his black hair clung wetly to his sweatly, lumpy face. His wild eyes darted back and forth. All I ask for, all I want in the end of a long day, is to quench my mighty thirst with a few flagons of fine beer and a willing strumpet to bed. Oh, how I would show a fine young tart paradise with my throbbing shaft and ample helmet. As Filibuster roared and brandished his sword, a woman, mild-mannered and calm, approached him. Sir... I'm going to have to remind you that this is no way to act in a bank. I begged her, begged her, on knees damp with the warm spring rain. Filibuster Vigilance sat with his arms, propping up his head on the table. His eyes were plastic-wrapped with a sheen of tears. His lips quivered visibly like an unsure suicide jumper. I didn't beg when I was near death, held at the sword's edge by the gruesome frost giants led by Ymir. I didn't beg when they held my beautiful scrotum up to the flames. The yellowed crimson licks lapping at my baby factories like hungry dogs. He swallowed something soft and big and vulnerable. It seemed to bulge in his throat as his Adam's apple bounced up and down. He knew, if no one else did, that it settled heavily on his heart like a stone. He thought of a witch at the Salem witch trials, depressed under a board and several pounds of unfriendly and accusatory rocks. May I get you anything else? The Denny's waitress asked imploringly, mocking interest and knowing if filibuster said no, it would mean a smoke break. No, mumbled Filibuster. The waitress, too gaunt and bony for her own good, went to suck down a camel light. Fucking women, choked Filibuster Vigilance, taking another sip of his orange soda. Filibuster Vigilance gazed down in awed wonderment. The purest azure serenity I've ever had a chance to feast upon since my wanton days in the Chinas of yore, lamented Filibuster. His eyes began to water and his lip trembled visibly. A world cannot be that bad when there are sights such as this. Filibuster shifted his weight to one leg and lifted his hands to the sky. Oh, how the heavens must weep that such beauty is here. Man surely must have built this place, for petty gods would have kept it for themselves. And gods, he bellowed, tilting his face upward and clenching his fists. Gods, how you must feel to know that mortals made this paradise without you. Mortals have reclaimed Eden. Small hands then shoved themselves into the small of Filibuster Vigilance's back. 
Excuse me, sir, the lifeguard said, holding his phallic flotation device with all the authority of a shotgun. If you don't want to go down the water slide, I'm going to have to ask you to step aside for the other patrons. My, but this mutton is good, filibuster vigilance said through the choking wet sobs. This time is not mine. By the gods, has this world failed me. Everywhere I've traveled, women's pushed me aside as if I could not satisfy them. With yon meat hammer I can, men push me aside as well. That too may be of my hammer of man meat. And shift supervisors, even the harpies on Olympus, would make finer company. And harpies, I hear, eat the plump berries of a man's nethers. With the final thought of castration and Valhalla, filibuster vigilance kicked the stool out from under him, dropped his sandwich, and died a quiet death. That was Filibuster Vigilance. I'm Doug, and this is Mr. Wright. We're going to be talking about names today. Filibuster Vigilance is one of my favorite character names I think I've ever come up with. To come up with a character name, there are several ways you can do it. Sometimes the name just pops into your head. We all have talked about having my weird premonitory dreams. Um, one of the names I thought of uh, while I was asleep was Artemis Parcel, which I uh, uh, have used in a few short pieces I haven't really found a character that really embodies Artemis Parcel, but the name is so great. Filibuster Vigilance, Dante Kindness, there are a few others, uh, William Damnation. I asked Warren Ellis uh, how he came up with names, John Birch, uh, Spider Jerusalem, Elijah Snow, the drummer, and he told me very succinctly that when he has a character without a name, he thinks of what the character embodies John Birch was unemotional and unyielding, like Birchwood. Uh, Spider Jerusalem, I, I can't remember what he told me about that one. I think that one was like, he just thought of the craziest goddamn name. That was both, you know, you have an arachnid that, you know, is repulsive, yet Jerusalem is a place of peace, truth, and religion. So I think that's where Spider Jerusalem came out of. I believe this is what he said. I, I hope I'm not misquoting him horribly. So there are two ways you can attack a character's name. You can have a character without a name, which, like I said, look at the traits they have. Filibuster Vigilance? No, let's scratch that. William Damnation is a character from a comic I wrote called Time Capsule Hand Grenade. And really, his name came out of Will Dam, uh, because he was a satanic hitman whose targets end up in hell. He will damn people. William Damnation. It kind of came out of that. I looked at Dante Kindness in terms of he was loosely based on John Constantine, and so I wanted the name to have like an old-school vibe with um, a contradictory in it as well. So you have Dante, which is very classic, um, and his last name, Kindness. His brother I ended up naming Abel, and in an unhappy accident, in the terms of my first novel, The Strangest Kindness, his brother Abel, who's dead, talks about how Abel was a murder victim, and Dante, throughout the uh, novel, goes through his own personal hell, uh, much like Dante did in Inferno. So, once again, I look at the characteristics of the characters and try to draw something from that and try to assess what they would be called, and if does it feel natural? Say it out loud. Have a conversation between two characters um, and have them say their names back to each other. Does it feel organic or not? Does it feel forced? Is it clunky? Does it roll off the tongue? Does it roll through your brain fine? You know, is it a way that you can always say, Dante said this, Mr. Kindness said that, Kindness did this, 
play around with the permutations of how other characters are going to address your, your kind of alpha character um, that you don't have a name for. The other way to do it is to have the name and think of the character. Filibuster Vigilance came out of listening to They Might Be Giants while I was writing, and one of the lines from Birdhouse in Your Soul says, um, I, you know, I vigilantly filibustered, or I filibuster vigilantly, and I just thought, what a great combination of words. And when I thought of someone named Filibuster Vigilance, it's like, okay, filibuster, verbose, vigilance, always watching, but what is he watching? And then it kind of struck me as this idea of like, this like Norse warrior, a barbarian who is just delusional and lives in present times and doesn't really know how to act. He's in his own head. He's kind of watching the world outside of himself and spouting off about it. Filibuster vigilance. Uh, Artemis Parcel, I've always thought of as some kind of messenger or um, deliverer because of the last name of Parcel plus Artemis. Um, you think of the, um, the goddess, Artemis warrior hunter. You'd have someone that would track things down and deliver them. That's the kind of thing I'll do when I think of a name and I don't have a character. I'll start building the backstory based on what the words make me think of. So you can reverse engineer having a character without a name with having a name without a character. It works both ways. Whichever way works better for you is fine. And sometimes they come in a complete package when you just sit down to write or you have a dream or you're just journaling and something happens. And that, that is lightning in a bottle. And never... Uh, take that for granted. I will say that. I'm trying to think of anything else I want to talk about in terms of naming the characters. You know, I always draw from friends of mine, and in in Strangest Kindness, I have an ex named Tracy. And when William or William Damnation, when Dante Kindness comes across his ex, her name is AC. The letters A and C. You know, I modeled that character after Tracy, not in a bad way by any means, but. Just of, I went, well, he's going to run into his ex. And it's, you know, a tumultuous love-hate relationship. Let's base it on my own tumultuous love-hate relationship. Um, sometimes it's more love, sometimes it's more hate. Because you can do that kind of thing and put aspects of your friends into certain characters and name them that in 700 Degrees, which I've read on this show. The character Bethany, well, my friend Bethany is not a debutante uh, pyromaniac, when I was starting to write, like, I just loved Beth and Bethany. I loved her name at the time, and it really struck a chord with how it sounded so very plain, but kind of uh, uh, lofty. So, thus, I have her name in 700 Degrees as the love interest. So, there are a myriad of ways you could go in terms of naming characters. I've covered a few of them. You can always, like I said... Ask writers you like if you like their names. Some people plumb real names. Like if you look at Chuck Palnick, you have Tyler Durden. Yet when you read, I've been rereading Invisible Monsters, and you have the character Brandy Alexander, which is a fantastic name and a drink. And she keeps renaming all the characters, and she comes up with these insane backstories. And you just imagine that uh, Palnick is just really in a microcosm uh, kind of way, in a, in a micros kind of way just doing what we're doing for main characters, but he's having the main characters do it in a very meta way throughout the novel, changing their names, 
coming up with, you know, that the guy's name was Lincoln Continental or Alfa Romero, um, things like that. So, you know, always be aware of how your character is going to reflect the name and how the name is going to reflect your character. These are the, some of the fundamental, uh, fundamental building blocks in terms of just writing a character. The minute I have a name and maybe a bit of a backstory, their dialogue becomes so natural in my head because I, I go, okay, if I grew up with the name William Damnation and I was a satanic hitman, how am I going to talk? How am I going to view the world and how's the world going to view me? How am I going to treat the world and how the world uh, has treated me and how uh, will it treat me? And how do I respond to that? How does it respond to me? So these are the things you think of when you sit down and think of a character and think of names. So, and we are going to get into, I think, uh, next episode will be, be about world building. So, I'm going to go from the micros to the macros on this one. People that inhabit the world, that's what we're thinking of right now. Next time, we'll talk about creating the world they live in. That's Mr. Wright. So, you remember, you keep writing, they'll keep reading. Right on. If you like this, check out some of our other shows like D20 Proof, Knapsack Comedy, and Mr. Wright, you can find us at www.bacnpodcast.com and by searching for BACN on iTunes and Stitcher. Oh, yeah.